1: Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. We come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. Coming up on the show today, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic will join us. And Chris Fisher from CatsPaws.com. As uh, among other things, we look back on a Kentucky win last night over Southern 76-64. Our Wildcat News of the Day, always presented by Giuseppe's, and they have something cool coming up on December 17th, a week from Friday night. Maker's Mark will be at the Giuseppe's here in Lexington from 6 until 9 p.m. for a special dipping event. They will dip bottles of Maker's Mark with the famous red wax topped by green wax just for Christmas presents, the perfect, unique Christmas gift. So... Don't forget to check that out. Put that on your calendar December 17th and pick up Giuseppe's gift cards while you are there. All right, let's talk about Kentucky's seventh straight win last night. And now, seven and one on the season, Oscar Shebway had his seventh double double, tied for the best in the nation. 23 points, 13 boards. He sat for a big chunk of the first half after picking up his second foul but uh, was able to play most of the second half before ever getting to his fourth. Stayed in the game and uh, dominated in the second half uh, late in the game uh, when Southern uh, wouldn't go away and uh, cut it back down into single digits after Kentucky had pushed it to 14. They kept going to Oscar down on the low post, and against a smaller Southern team, he was able to score at will and uh, post up with his strength. Post up so low that they just uh, could not stop him. Uh, not going to be that easy in the low post um, in the other games, but uh, it wasn't this one for Oscar to uh, just take control of that game late. Southern played uh, very, very well. Just, you know, they just were obviously outmanned, as uh, that was uh, you know a given going in. But they played very hard and were just uh, relentless and kept coming at Kentucky. Uh, Cal talked in the postgame show about how early in the game uh, Southern was able to drive and get to the rim against Kentucky and Kentucky eventually had to contract its defense to stop that from happening, which as he said, you know, slows the game down and makes four fewer possessions. And he said he'd prefer to play the opposite end of the spectrum and be more up and down and getting more possessions. But in this game, they had to play that way to keep Southern from uh, beating them off the bounce. And Kentucky did end up with 12 block shots in the game. So Cal said now he has to decide on how to distribute the minutes for this team. And that is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, We'll talk about it during the show here. But Kentucky goes up to Notre Dame on Saturday. And then we'll play Ohio State in Las Vegas a week after that. And then uh, Louisville the following week, and then there's a week off again until they start conference play against uh, Missouri. Uh, Missouri's struggling, so they kind of ease into conference play, and then they'll have high point. But then they go down to LSU for their first conference road trip, and that will be uh, a tough one. So, Cats are going to move into the deeper end of the pool here in these next uh, set of games, really, other than high point for the rest of the way. And uh, I, I, for one, I know a lot of you are too eager to see them get tested at a different level. Five Wildcats named the coaches All-SEC team. Darian Kennard, Luke Fortner on the first team. Josh Paschal, Chris Rodriguez, Wandell Robinson on the second team. I think you could certainly make a strong case for Wandell on the first team. Uh, Darian Kennard named second team All-America by the Athletic. couple of notes out of the transfer portal. Uh, Kate or one, anyway, Katie McDaniel is entering the transfer portal, uh, an edge rusher for Kentucky. And he um, is going to try to find more playing time somewhere else. Wish, uh, wish him well. Uh, he uh, came a little bit towards the end of the season. I think was playing his best football at the uh, end of the year. And two U.K. commits won Mr. Football Awards in the various classes in the state of Tennessee. In Class 6A, Destin Wade. One of the twins that Kentucky has commitments from. And then in Class 4A, Barry and Brown. So pretty impressive uh, haul for Kentucky in recruiting out of the state of Tennessee, provided they close the deal and get them to sign on the dotted line here later this month. But uh, that is certainly expected to happen at this point. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And when we come back, Chris Fisher will join the program. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. Glad to have you with us.
0: You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats.
1: Quarter past the top of the hour on this Wednesday as we welcome Chris Fisher into the program. You read him at catspaws.com. Chris, we'll start with uh, Kentucky and a 76 64 win over Southern last night. And now we've seen Kentucky go through seven games against uh, teams that they were far superior to the best challenge was was really from uh, from ohio i thought southern played well and uh, i think southern's a, a team that could certainly win their league um i was uh, impressed by uh, you know how hard sean's team played last night but i am eager to see kentucky tested at a higher level now
2: yeah definitely and i i think they are too honestly i think i thought they looked a little bit bored a little listless last night you know probably over this portion of the schedule and are ready to face a bigger challenge. I think, you know, we're, we're eight games into this season, and I still don't think we really know what we have in this Kentucky team. They played Duke really close uh, in the season opener, obviously, and Duke has proven themselves to be, you know, one of the best teams, if not the best team in college basketball, Beacon Zaga, early in the season. and uh, So now I think here over the next couple of weeks we'll definitely learn a lot more about uh, about this kentucky team
1: the starting group seems set obviously mince is going to be uh in that rotation and then uh cal was talking about you're going to have to make some decisions on how to distribute the minutes here in these uh, upcoming games as the competition gets tougher and yeah you know, I, I think those six guys are going to be there and then the others i think could uh, could be in uh, flux. I think, you know, Toppen played uh, well last night, gave him a lot of energy, which uh, Cal was one of the first things he talked about when he came out on the radio show. But, you know, depending on how this goes, you could see Collins, you could see uh, Hopkins. I mean, there could be guys that could, uh, you know, make a move at some point in the season up or down, I would think.
2: Yeah, I think that's another reason why we, we still don't really know a whole lot about this Kentucky team. I think John Calipari used to use this stretch kind of as an exploratory period, and and not all of that has been by choice. There's been so many guys kind of in and out of the lineup with injuries and illnesses and things of that nature, and um, so he's, you know, tinkered with the lineups uh, here and there, and and you're right. I think, you know, around the perimeter, I think Kentucky is pretty much set. You know what you're going to get from those guys, but what do you do with, you know, the combination of Oscar Shibwe and or, you know, Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks, Damian Collins, uh, those guys, all three, uh, even Bryce Hopkins coming off the bench, those guys have kind of been, you know, a little up and down. Um, I've said before, I think for this team to reach its full potential and reach its highest ceiling, I think Damian Collins needs to be a regular contributor on this team. I think he makes them different than anyone else that they have on the roster. And then I think you'd like to see a little bit more consistency out of Keon Brooks he missed the one game but you know has a tendency at times to kind of disappear. I think he had two points and one rebound in 20 minutes last night. Jacob Toppin, I think it's still he he may be closer to a 100% physically, but I think mentally he's still adjusting to you know kind of getting back in the game and mixing it up coming off that uh that shoulder injury. So again, I think we're going to learn a lot about this Kentucky team. I think John Calipari's going to learn a lot about his own team. You know, against the likes of Notre Dame, Ohio State, Louisville in uh,
1: in the next couple of weeks. You know, guys like uh, Toppin and, and Hopkins. Um, they, it may be a little while before they they fully uh, start to click because uh, I think Cal is is has not been sure how to utilize them. He's talked at times like for Hopkins is about being a three, and then lately more could he be a a four guy that you could post up some. And until he gets uh, a good handle on what where they fit best, then they start getting the reps in that role, then they'll start to blossom, I would think.
2: Yeah, and I think that's something that we see every year with John Calipari, and I think that's something that he's used to because he mm-hmm. has a new roster, more or less, top to bottom every season. He has to wait and see how how things are going and then adjust to that and really uh, you know, figure out his team as the season goes along which guys are best in which roles and where they're most comfortable and, and where they're most effective. And I don't think even he knows that yet. And so I think that's part of the reason uh, you've seen him schedule the way he has this season with, you know, this stretch of games against a little bit lesser opponents, trying to get guys game reps, trying to, you know, get them out on the floor, experiment a little bit and and, and go from there.
1: Yeah, this is not a, a typical kind of Calipari team, so uh, no. he's – trying to, to figure out and, and you know he, he's had you know some of those during his time here you know the the 11 team always one of the best examples of, of a team that you know wasn't his typical time type of team but they adapted and, and figured it out uh, probably the the guard dominated team in six teams not typical of his teams but uh, again they they got it figured out and uh, I'm confident they will here too.
2: Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason you see John Calipari's teams kind of get better as the season goes along and really start to hit their stride in January and February is because, you know, guys that have less experience are, are getting more game refs, are getting more comfortable with each other. And even this team that has a little bit more experience overall, they don't have experience playing with each other. And so um, I think you're going to see them start to, to gel, and, and John Calipari's going to start to uh, – to figure this thing out and uh, you know guys are going to settle into into roles and uh, like you said this isn't a typical John Calipari team it's much more perimeter oriented and then you have Oscar Shibwe and figuring out what to do with him down in the post and he had his third 20 point game of the season last night I'm not sure that's something uh, I envisioned I know John Calipari said he's still trying to figure out exactly how to use him in the post and that kind of thing. But I did—I definitely didn't see him uh, being this productive uh, offensively. The rebounding is not as much of a surprise, but three twenty-point games in a, in a span of eight games is, is very, very good. I think for Asrashiweh and a positive development for this team.
1: Yeah, there was one play last night. This was in the first half before he got into foul trouble, where he caught the ball at the high post, and the uh, player from Southern came out. Closed out on him so quickly because Oscar's hit that uh, shot now consistently, and then Oscar was able to drive by him. And um, you know that's that's the kind of the way it's kind of supposed to work. As you you know grow your game, is it gives you some options.
2: Yeah, that that little mid range jumper he has is is much much better and much more efficient, I think, than anyone realizing. Yeah, I think he ball faked and the defender didn't go for it. Then he ball faked again and got him off his seat and, and drove around him. And I think he drew the foul, but um much more efficient of an offensive player in in many aspects than than i realize he, he still needs to get a little bit better at finishing around the rim um but but again when you're getting you know 15 and 15 a night from oscar Shiboy, that's uh, the least of your problems
1: talk with chris fisher from catspaws.com it's at chris fisher 24 7 on twitter uh there's a uh another big man in this next recruiting class that kentucky has uh, suddenly been associated with from uh arizona he was playing in a marshall county hoop fest last weekend what can you tell us about him
2: yeah he's originally from france he's a guy probably a year year and a half ago that really wasn't on the national radar and has continued to uh to get better and better plays for dream city christian the same school that produced uh shade and sharp and with a rare weekend off, John Calipari was able to to travel to Marshall County and and scout him a little bit, and he's a guy, honestly, that I'm surprised Kentucky wasn't in on earlier. Um, But, you know, obviously missed on some front-court targets in the fall with Derek Lively and Adem Bona. And I think they had pretty much resigned themselves to just waiting it out until the transfer portal in the spring to take another big guy. But he's certainly an intriguing prospect. He's very, very skilled. He's 6'10", 225. I think he has a 7'3 wingspan and a 9-foot standing reach. So really – Fits a lot of the qualities that John Calipari typically looks for and so I'm not surprised at all to see Kentucky get involved in his recruitment which I hear is relatively wide open. I think at one point it was Memphis and kind of the, you know, professional pathways and uh, he cut his list, and then nothing really happened. And then he said he was going to wait until the spring. So I think Kentucky saw an opportunity to to get involved there. And I think if Kentucky's able to get him on campus and kind of wait this thing out until the spring, I think they'll have a a decent chance at at, at getting him. But still a long way to go, and and we'll
1: see what happens. And why wouldn't he consider Memphis? Things are going so well there. <laughs> yeah,
2: I saw that Jalen Duran had two points the other night, uh, which was uh, you know kind of a shocking stat line but they've they've struggled monumentally and I think it's another testament to what John Calipari does on a yearly basis playing so many freshmen it, it's so hard to win with freshmen even when those freshmen are, are really really talented
1: Chris Fisher com. thank you sir all right thanks it's the leach Report radio network our show is served up by wild eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar breakfast brunch lunch a great way to get your day started. At Wild Eggs, try that uh, breakfast burrito. I had one of those a few weeks ago. We were out there with the Monday Morning Quarterback Show, and man, was it good! Be right back on the Leach Report.
0: Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today.
1: Twenty-seven past the top of the hour on this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. The Southern University Jaguars, the first team to play in the Unity series of games. It's a five year commitment for UK to play teams from the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And Southern is coached by former Wildcat Sean Woods, member of the Unforgettables. And when Sean was at the podium after the postgame last night, he got a little emotional when he was remembering his days at Kentucky.
3: I envy my players every day because I wish I could still play basketball. And I'll give anything to uh, go back and have my experience that I had here at the University of Kentucky. I had, you know, and the guys I play with, uh, we went through some things that no other other player in the University of Kentucky history has gone through. Uh, And it was tough, but it was rewarding. And, you know, Jerry asked me the other day, He was asking me some questions about the unforgettables and I I told him, and I left one person out, and he's here today, that uh, it wasn't just me, John, Darren, and Richie. You know, it was Derek Miller. It was Reggie Hanson. It was Jonathan Davis. It was Jeff Brasso. You know, and I tell people all the time, we might have won the national championship if Brasso don't get hurt. You know he was averaging 16 points a game when we when, when he got hurt. You know the first five six games. So every time I come, I get a chance to come here, uh, I just get emotional because I gave a lot of my life and, and everything I had, and I did everything what people asked me to do uh, at this university, and uh, it was very rewarding afterwards. And this university has made me the man and the coach that I am today.
1: Sean Woods uh, after the game last night, and he came out on the court. Uh, walked over to uh, our broadcast spot where all the fans were waiting to hear from Cal and he just said a quick, you know, thank you to all the Kentucky fans and um, it's just an an emotional night for him and it's really cool to, to see that it means so much to him. There were a lot of his uh, former teammates there that uh, he mentioned on the radio show Monday night on Cal's show that were going to come to the game. Uh, Jonathan Davis, Henry Thomas, uh, Richie Farmer, Darren Feldhouse. I'm sure there were others um, that uh, were there or certainly that that wanted to be there. So uh, Cool to see uh, Sean and uh, hopefully his team will make it to the NCAA tournament. I would think they'd have a great shot to do that out of the SWAC. We are halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington.
0: Return, refresh, and refuel. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio.
1: Second half of our Wednesday show here on the Leach Report. And we are working to land Kyle Tucker from The Athletic to uh, get his take on the Cats. Let me give you a couple of scores from last night. Two out of the SEC. Uh, Texas Tech beat Tennessee, and this was in the Jimmy V Classic up at Madison Square Garden. 57-52 to 52 in overtime. And I didn't see this, but, man, it must have been some ugly basketball. I think Tennessee was... Uh, they got it into overtime and, and scored at a little better clip in overtime to make the score look a little more uh, a little better because this was a game. Had it not gone to overtime, the the winning score would have been in I think in the low 40s. So just some really ugly basketball, but uh, Texas Tech did uh, prevail over the 13th ranked Vols. So, so it's not been a good week for the SEC. Temple beat Vandy 72 to 68 in overtime. Maybe it's going to be one of those years where, you know, because you had Alabama lose to Iona but then beat Gonzaga. Uh, so Tennessee this week has lost. Um, most of the teams in the league have taken a bad loss. At least Kentucky has avoided that to this point with the only loss being to uh, to Duke. And then uh, one other score I thought of note, uh, EKU. Uh, looks like he played uh, pretty tough against 16th-ranked Southern Cal on the road. 80-68 to 68 was the final in that one. Uh, Kentucky is on the road on Saturday for the first game this season to be on the opponent's home court. And it's a Notre Dame team that has lost three in a row, but this will be their first uh, game at home since the 16th of November. And Cal was talking last night about the fact that they apparently are planning to uh, formally introduce the new head football coach at this game. It's a big recruiting weekend for them. Uh, I mentioned the, the long drought between games at home for them. So it will be a, a wild atmosphere. And even though Notre Dame has lost three straight, they will uh, play at a higher level, one would think in this game. So, uh, again, I'm just looking forward to seeing Kentucky tested at a higher level. Um, thanks to uh, all of you that have uh, purchased uh, the new book that Mike Pratt and I did. Uh, It is Kentucky Basketball, Two Decades Behind the Scenes. Uh, This is our 20th year calling games on the UK network. Time does fly. And uh, we just, uh, it was Mike's idea to do this, and it's a collection of uh, stories. Just go season by season and some of our memories and some behind-the-scenes stories on uh, those uh, seasons that we've been at courtside. And then there's a chapter on how Mike ended up at the University of Kentucky and um, some of the the characters, the fun folks that uh, we've gotten to know over the years. There's a chapter on lists and various topics. So I think it's a fun read. That's what the plan was, just something that was fun and make a nice Christmas gift or uh, just a, a birthday gift, whatever, for the Wildcat fan in your life. And you can find it at all the local book retailers. Uh, online sellers. And then also, uh, Kentucky Branded has some. Uh, Select Clark's Pumpkin Shops around Central Kentucky have some. Uh, the UK Bookstore. We were down at Hazard for a book signing at uh, Reed Spotted Newt. They have, uh, some there. By the fact, we signed some before we left for folks that couldn't make it out that wanted a signed copy. So those are still there as well. So. Again, appreciate all of you who have uh, purchased it so far. If you have one, you want to get it signed and you can't make it to uh, one of the book signings, please uh, stop by if you're at a game. Uh, And we are doing another signing this coming Saturday, or no, excuse me, this coming Sunday up at the Joseph Beth Booksellers in Cincinnati. So Kentucky fans up in the northern Kentucky area can stop by and get a book signed if you like. We're going to take a break and uh, we'll be right back. It's the Leech Report Radio Network served up
0: by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is The Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom.
1: It's our Wednesday edition of The Leach Report, and Dick Gabriel's price for enjoying retirement is to be our go-to pinch hitter when we uh, can't <laughs> reach somebody that we have <laughs> online. So thank you for jumping on with us, Gabe. <laughs> no
4: problem, anytime.
1: Um I know you were, were you at the game last night? I know you wrote about it. I was.
4: I was up in the uh, press box.
1: Yeah, and, and we never get to see anybody anymore. We used to have kind of the, the gathering spot back there in the media room, and now with the way things have changed and there's, you know, um, there's the mo- uh, most of the media is up. In the uh, the box up there at the uh, the front of the upper deck, and so yeah. we don't get to have all the gathering spots uh, pregame and uh, et cetera to, to tell stories and uh, all of that. So, uh, and in that. order to
4: get over to you, if I have to or if I want to, you have to go uh, basically outside the floor of the arena. I don't know if you're aware of this. No, and go down that back hallway where they store all the tables and chairs. And come all the way around through another door. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that that's all, yeah, it's all part of the new COVID protocol from Ruff Arena. So nothing personal.
1: Yes, no, I understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was, I saw, uh, I was looking on, on Twitter and uh, Mark's, a tweet from Mark's story popped up where somebody uh, was uh, doing a Twitter exchange with him about the, uh, you know, that uh, a team from the 90s kentucky would have uh, blown southern out and uh mark's response was just that it's you know, a much different game now and and it uh it certainly is because you don't have you know guys like you know the the unforgettables that uh, are there around for four years and veteran dominated yeah. teams um but uh, i'm eager to to see kentucky uh, tested at a higher level over the next few weeks just to learn a little more about them
4: yeah, I'm with you, and I think last night's game was a bit of a slog for a couple of reasons. First of all, you had, in no order, Uh you know, you had Davion Mintz back. You had you had everybody back for the first time, so it was like they were relearning, and I felt like they played hard. They were just out of sync on offense. I felt like defense, they were tough. They were literally tough. And I'm walking the dog, by the way, if you hear odd noises in the background. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, offensively, they really couldn't find a rhythm. And, you know, it helped when shots started going down. So I think against a tougher team, they're going to be forced to, uh, if such a thing is possible, to find that rhythm, yeah. But but you're right. I mean, it's it's a different era. It's a different age. You're not going to have a Ron Mercer for a second year or a Derek Anderson for a second or third year. And, and that, makes, that makes a whole lot of difference.
1: And so, uh, for long-time Kentucky fans, they, they still have those uh, deep, deep connections with guys like Sean Woods that, that played here and played for a long time and uh, really touching comments from him after the game. We played some of those earlier.
4: Yeah, and that was, uh, I kind of cut myself short, that was the second reason. Uh, you got to give Southern credit. I thought they, uh, they were well-coached. They are a team with some veterans because, with all due respect, they don't have a lot of guys on their roster who are going to go on to the NBA. Sean's a good coach. We've learned that. And he knew what to expect. Kentucky was well scouted. Uh, you know, you could see Sean down there playing defense on the sidelines. He got away with shoving one of his players, not in a bad way. <laughs> Explained to a player, I need you over here. And he walked out on the court during the play and put his hands on him and kind of pushed him. And I'm like, how is that not a technical foul? I remember so Cal passionate.
1: did that in a game of years ago. of the Harrison
4: twins. Yeah, exactly right. And then he wasn't teed up either. So Tony Green did warn Sean a couple times. But anyhow, I, I felt like Southern, I thought Southern was a good team to play. Uh, I'd love to see them play Ohio U. Now, Ohio U shoots it better. But that Sadler kid, he could knock it down, couldn't he?
1: Yeah, boy, he, uh, I said uh, at one point to Mike that he reminded me a little bit of of Tyler Eulis in his ability to to get yeah. to angles to score at a small size.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and his basketball IQ, I felt, was, was terrific. And uh, he was a real thorn, but they had a couple of kids get in foul trouble. And when Oscar got loose and was unshackled from his fouls, he was a huge difference. I did hear people complaining and read some tweets that Kellen Grady kind of disappeared and here this guy was a big scorer, Davidson and Oz, but you know, his, his role is different here. He doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense. There, there's, there are many focal points of this offense and if he starts hunting shots, I'm not sure that's best for this team.
1: He, I was glad to see him make some last night. He had been yeah. uncharacteristically cold. Dante Allen is still in whatever funk he's in because he is he plays hard and, and does you know uh, is able to contribute in some other ways. Usually uh, rebounding, quite frankly. But um, I can't, I, 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 you know, he and and Grady uh, would be two guys that uh, you would be the most confident in making shots, and they've both been struggling.
4: Yeah, you know, and, and Grady found his stroke. Dante, mm-hmm. wow! I mean, that one—that one that he threw over the rim. Yeah, that was that was a shocker. I I just have a feeling he's pressing because he knows yeah, with CJ out, the door is open for him. But you know, it's not as wide open as you might think because they've got other shots. You know, and it's it is ironic that the things he wasn't doing last year that would have enabled him to stay on the floor more often, he's doing all that. Now he's not hitting, but you know he'll come around. Shooters shoot and shooters make. You know the guy doing the pre show, Jack Givens, he'll tell you that.
1: Absolutely. Talking with Dick Gabriel from uh, the Big Blue Insider Show at Big Blue Insider One on Twitter, and of course he'll be uh, on the sidelines with us down in Orlando at the Citrus yep. Bowl when Kentucky takes on Iowa. Uh, what, let's take a, uh, a break here, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about uh, football. With uh, Dick Gabriel on the Wednesday edition of The Leech Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington.
0: Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of The Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com.
1: Nine minutes away from the top of the hour, final segment of our Wednesday edition of The Leach Report. Dick Gabriel's on the line with us from The Big Blue Insider Show at Big Blue Insider One on Twitter com to read his coverage of the cats and you'll hear him covering kentucky football with jeff Picoro and i down in orlando at the citrus bowl at kentucky and iowa on january 1st what's your take on the matchup
4: well i've looked at iowa's stats and it's going to be i think you know a, a defensive battle which you might expect between one of the better teams in the sec and one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Iowa doesn't score a lot of points, can move the ball, but doesn't get in the end zone a lot. But i tell you what it does do, Tom, and you've probably already peeked at the numbers. Iowa picks off a lot of passes.
1: Oh, my goodness.
4: Yeah, they, they led the league, and I led the league by a bunch. I think they had 24 picks, and the next closest team had 15. And, and I was think... talking to somebody who covers. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, we had a, a writer on from The Athletic, and he said, I think in four of the last five years, they've had at least 20 picks.
4: Yeah, yeah, and and I was talking to somebody who's familiar with the team, they said, you know, Iowa disguises coverage as well, It kind of lures you into thinking you've got a, a completion, when in fact, they end up with the football, so, but you know, they've got three weeks to study, you know, and Will Levis has been, uh, of late, pretty sharp when it comes to taking care of the football, so. It's going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, Chris Rodriguez versus their D. Wall, uh, they've got a great offensive line just like Kentucky does. They've got maybe the best center in the country. It's a good matchup. And then the Mark Stoops sidebar is, is really intriguing.
1: Yeah, it is. You could tell when he talked on uh, Sunday uh, after the matchups were set that uh, this one's, as he said, different for him. Uh, his players will certainly understand that and uh he has um you know I, I was talking about this earlier this week and you can speak to it having uh covered him the time he's here he's he, he talked about you know the the culture that had to be built when he came here and he's really um it, it's kind of it, as a fan i think you would say this is really uh neat to see this in your team where uh at a time where there's you know, all the coaching turnover that happens after the end of a regular season. And there's the transfer portal now and guys going to the NFL and, um, Like John Sumrall, it's important to him. He's going to make it work to come back and coach in the bowl game, even though he's got his new responsibilities at Troy. And we've seen almost all of the Kentucky guys that had uh, NFL plans still uh, want to play in the bowl game because, again, it was important to them to to finish that out. And uh, I think fans enjoy seeing that, certainly.
4: Oh, yeah. And I I wonder sometimes with – and nothing against the kids who opt out. You've got to do what's best for your future. But it's some of the other programs where, you know, it's not unusual to go to a bowl game. It's, you know, still, it's not a surprise anymore in Kentucky, but it's still a cause for celebration. Whereas, you know, in some places, all shoot, we're just going to this bowl or that bowl. And, you know, kids are, are part of this big machine, if you will. But here, you know, they're still changing that culture. And I think the fact that uh, they still want to finish the job is big, like John Sumrall said. So uh, I do think that's, that's kind of a pervasive attitude. And, again, not, you know, if they don't want to, I understand that. But, uh, but I'm glad to see that, that they're going to play. And for the most part, they've decided. We don't know everybody yet, but it sounds like they're all going to play.
1: As far as NFL futures, I would think Levis will be back. Um, yeah, I don't have as as solid a, a, a guess on other guys. What's your thought?
4: I'm with you. Uh, I think the one guy, and of course it depends, and that's the good news. The NFL will shoot him straight. They'll tell him, we don't see you being drafted, you know, being on this round or that. But you've got to wonder about Wandale because he's not going to get any bigger. He's not going to get any faster. He's proven that he can play at the highest level of the best conference uh, you know, and, and he clearly has an NFL future. It just depends on how these scouts see him. He's of course not very big in terms of, uh, you know, weight but I always like what Bill Curry said about players who aren't tall. You know, they're not tall but they're not small and and he's that way. And certainly plays big. Chris Rodriguez I think he's he's got some some work to do to prove that he doesn't have a problem fumbling the football so maybe coming back for another year would help but again, it depends on what they get in that in that letter from the NFL, and I've seen some of those letters, you know, and they're they're very frank and honest.
1: Yeah, it's, it's I think isn't it like uh, basically three three things. It's you know first day or second day or maybe not drafted.
4: Yes, and one of the letters I've seen said you will not be drafted according to our research above the fifth round or something like that. So sometimes they're really specific. And and that can only help. Might be a tough love, but that's a huge help.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's best to get uh, the the real information if you're a yeah. player, even if you don't like what they say.
4: Yeah, no question. You know, and then that helps. It only helps you. It's a business decision because it's a big business.
1: You know, and guys have to weigh the the every year you play. You know, you take a little more of a toll on on your body. Um, and so I can understand the, the motivation to go ahead and, and start uh, becoming a professional to take those hits. Uh, but yeah, and, you
4: know, the, the problem, too, with Rodriguez is the NFL right now is, is trending away from running backs. That's right. You know, I mean, unless you've got a Derrick Henry or somebody like that, you know, Damian Harris, uh, you know, and you better be able to catch the football, period. I mean, uh, if you really want to be an integral part, of an NFL team. So maybe that could help him as well.
1: Yeah, running backs, it seems to be the kind of the way they look at it, is just, uh, you know, we, we can always find a running back as opposed to a quarterback yeah. or a receiver or a left tackle or some of the other key spots.
4: And, you know, what's, what's surprising, we, we call uh, Rodriguez, what, baby Benny or whatever. Well, <laughs> you know, Benny has struggled, <clears throat> has struggled and lost a starting job. Dude, terrific running back in Pittsburgh, but, you know, he didn't produce enough to where Pittsburgh – you know, didn't have to say. Well, we don't need Najee. You know, we've already got Benny Snell. So, um, you know, it's it's tough out there. It's it's competitive out there, and he and he knows that. Gabe,
1: another uh, strong appearance out of the bullpen. We appreciate it.
4: My pleasure. I hope I got the save.
1: <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> An extended one too. It's like a three inning save. Uh, not one Long of those. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate, uh, Dick Gabriel coming to the rescue and, uh, we'll try to reconnect with, uh, Kyle for, uh, maybe hopefully another time, uh, this week as the Wildcats, uh, return to the court on Saturday up at Notre Dame. I am uh, hopefully going to be able to get a chance to go tour, uh, the Notre Dame football stadium while I'm up there. It is, uh, basically right across the street from the basketball arena, but, um, I have a, a lot of uh, Report, fond memories Net- as a uh, basketball fan watching games at Notre Dame's home court, like when, um, you know, in the 70s when they would just televise that Notre Dame UCLA game every year from the uh, AAC there on the Notre Dame campus. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk more about that game in the coming days. Have a good day, everybody.
0: to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page.